0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians, this gathered community that meets here each week for worship. A particular welcome to anyone who's here for the first time today. We're really glad to have you with us, and there'll be an opportunity to introduce yourself later in the service, if you wish. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Jane Blackhall, and I've been a member of this congregation for over 14 years now. And uh, I work here as outreach officer, which means I do a little bit of everything. Our minister, Sarah Tinker, is having a well earned week off, uh, so I'll be leading the service today and she'll be back next week. Our opening words today are from Angela Herrera. Don't leave your broken heart at the door, bring it to the altar of life. Don't leave your anger behind. It has high standards and the world needs vision. Bring them with you, and your joy and your passion. Bring your loving and your courage and your conviction. Bring your need for healing and your power to heal. There's work to do. And you have all that you need to do it right here in this room. Let's light our chalice. Uh, Carol's going to come and light the flame. This is the symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. We call this light before us in hope that we may always remain a strong community, working together to make the world a better place. When we're grieving or sad, when we're challenged, when we need help, this flame guides us out of the darkness. When we're cheerful, when we celebrate, when we accomplish great tasks, when we return to a place that makes us happy, this chalice reminds us to share our happiness with others. I invite you to join me now in the spirit of prayer. May the spirit of life and love bless our gathering as we feel the divine presence amongst us here and now. In the quiet of this hour, may each person find what they most need. May the troubled find peace. May the confused find insight. May the downhearted find comfort. May the lonely find a sense of companionship. May the strong find moments of challenge, learning and growth. As we look back over the past week, let us silently give thanks for those joys and pleasures we have known. Moments of love and connection. Experiences of wonder and delight feelings of achievement, creativity and flow, those times when we felt most alive and awake. Let's also ask for the consolation, forgiveness and guidance we may need as we acknowledge our sorrows and regret, times of loss, pain, anger and fear. Realisation of our own mistakes and failings. Awareness of missed opportunities, things left unsaid or undone. Those moments when we struggled and felt like a mess. Expanding our circle of concern, let us bring to mind those people, places and situations that are in need of prayer right now and hold them in the light. Remember those people we know to be suffering. Maybe family, friends or loved ones close to our heart. Maybe those we find difficult, with whom we're in need of reconciliation. Maybe those who we don't know so well, or that we've only heard about on the news. And remember those places around the world and on our doorstep, where there's violence... Unrest or instability, and remember those who are striving to bring peace. Remember those situations of injustice we're aware of, whether domestic and personal, or political and systemic, and remember those who struggle on in the hope that justice will prevail. God of all love, we offer up our joys and concerns our beauty and our brokenness and call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen.
1: If you had the chance, would you change the world? Of course you would. There are plenty of things you would change right now if you were given a magic wand. After all, the world is desperately in need of improvement, so much so that sometimes we lie awake at night, turning over for hours on end as we worry about it. During the day, we huff and curse at the many smaller things that seem wrong. And in sunnier moments, we allow ourselves to dream, conjuring parallel worlds that seem entirely delightful. But, whatever our disposition, we often conclude that to change the world would be hard work, if not impossible, and so we don't even try that's a shame because actively creating change brings benefits for ourselves as individuals too we discover deeper reserves of empathy and opportunities to be creative and we can conv- cu- and we can cultivate a habit of fearlessness better still it turns out that changing the world produces a deep, lasting sense of satisfaction, not only when we have finished, as if that were possible, but at each step along the way. To look for inspiration to the great breakthroughs of the past does not always help, because once the most common effects one of the most common effects of success is to be taken for granted. What once seemed impossible looks ordinary after it's been accomplished. For the same reason, the role taken by particular individuals has a tendency with hindsight to look inevitable or preordained. We find it hard, for instance, to imagine Gandhi leading a life of inoffensive middle-class respectability as a lawyer, but he might have done. He didn't because he found that other things mattered more to him than the conventional legal career for which he was trained.
2: Changing the world is not only the business of great souls like Gandhi, Mother Teresa or Nelson Mandela the small everyday actions of ordinary individuals have the potential to be world changing But how can I, one individual in a world of billions hope to change anything? There are many reasons why this kind of defeatist question comes so easily to us They include the way we have been brought up a lifetime of putting up with things that frustrate or dismay us, and painful memories of failed attempts to do something. But the fact remains that we are all making a difference all the time. We spend every moment either deciding what may happen next or going along with someone else's ideas. The real problem is that we're only affecting things unconsciously when we are probably not producing the effect that we wish for. The history of the world is the biography of great men, wrote Thomas Carlyle, but the great man theory of history has been on its way out for years. The Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy was one of the first to observe that history should be more accurately be considered to consist of the combined effect of the many small things that ordinary individuals do every day. The infinitely large number of infinitely small actions as Tolstoy saw it, we are making history from the moment we get up in the morning till we go to bed at night. It's not only about the things that we do that make history, it's also about the things we don't do. That's obvious when you think about it, say voting in an election or not. But taken to its logical conclusion, it also goes to show that we are making a difference even after going to bed. Because we are sleeping instead of, say, working all night on some earth-shaking political manifesto or patrolling the streets to feed the homeless. And that's fine, by the way. We all need sleep. But Tolstoy's insight requires us to recognise that we are all responsible for the way things are.
3: If you had but one wish... What would it be? Take your time thinking about it. So much is at stake. An end to all suffering. A stop to all violence. A solution to poverty and all of its ills. Would you wish for love? For forgiveness? Or for healing? Would you wish for joy or the wisdom to change? Would you wish to understand everything or to know less than you do? Take your time thinking about it. So much is at stake. For a wish... Is a thought. And a thought is an idea. An idea leads to commitment. And a commitment cries out for action. A wish can be a dangerous thing, something daring. And it need not be witnessed by the stars to come true. Let us be glad that we are not given just one wish in our lives, but many. Let us be grateful, not for wishful thinking, but for the discipline of thoughtful wishing that can lead to change. What would your wish be?
0: Right then, in the next 12 minutes or so, we're going to hatch a plan to change the world. (laughs) I hope that doesn't sound too strenuous for this time of a Sunday morning. In the broadest of terms, we're going to consider what it is about the world that might need changing. Where shall we start, I hear you ask? What might prevent us from taking action on these issues and causes that we most care about, and how we can hope to overcome those obstacles to make a better world for all. But first of all, I want to highlight a fact that can be very easily overlooked. Changing the world generally means changing people. That is, changing the way people think, the way people feel, the way people regard one another the way people act every day of their lives, changing people's hearts, minds and habits. I reckon we can get some insight on how to bring about such changes in the world by considering the process of change in our own lives. Think about a time when you changed your mind on some important issue. What was it that brought about the shift? Maybe you became aware of some new evidence or information that made you think again and reconsider your old opinions. But was it an entirely rational process? Was it more of a change of heart than a change of mind? Perhaps your emotions were swayed. Sometimes the catalyst for change can be a real-world encounter with another human being. We may hold one view on an issue for as long as it's theoretical and abstract, maybe something we've just read about in the papers, but if we come into relationship with a real person who's personally affected by that issue, then our perspective might shift quite dramatically. A friend of mine said that her only experience of change was entirely tangled up in loving relationships and that's more or less my experience too. I respond much better to being gently led and opened up to new ways of seeing than I do to being cornered and berated in a debate. To change your mind means at some level admitting you were wrong before. This makes you vulnerable, it can feel quite humiliating And this is potentially, I reckon, quite a significant barrier to bringing about change. The need to avoid embarrassment can lead people to dig in their heels and become entrenched in their views. So something we can learn from this, perhaps, is that if we want people to change, then we need to make it as easy as possible for them to do so. Rather than instantly condemning someone whose views we'd like to change, as tempting as that may be, perhaps we can hang in there, try to stay in relationship with them, and insistently bear witness to our truth in the hope that change will come. Of course, sometimes that will be just too hard to do. Sometimes the gulf between us is too wide to build a bridge. But another friend of mine wisely observed that if we want social change, we have to accept redemption. Many of us will also have had the experience of trying to change our own habits or our lifestyle with varying degrees of success. Think about losing weight, getting fit, learning a language or a musical instrument Adopting a regular spiritual practice perhaps You might have noticed the advice that goes up in Boots the Chemist every new year Change one thing It's not advisable to try and make a lot of big changes at once And small steps might be the way to go I came across this quote that I rather like from Mary Piper I favour incremental change People rarely take giant steps and if they do they often fall down The trick is finding the step size that propels people forward but allows them to succeed with each move. Another bit of advice you're often given when trying to make life changes is to join together with others for solidarity and support and to help with your motivation by bringing an element of fun and companionship to the task. And by all accounts this applies when changing the world as well. So, to recap, to change the world we need to change people's minds, hearts and habits... We probably won't win people over just by giving them more information or wowing them with our debating skills. We need to make it possible for people to change their views without feeling stupid. It needs to come from a place of love, and in trying to bring about changes in behaviour, it helps to take small steps, join together in community for support, and to make the process as enjoyable as possible for all involved. So let's shift our attention now to some of the large-scale issues we might want to tackle if we're to bring about a better world. We heard some thoughts from John Paul Flintoff earlier, taken from his modestly entitled and surprisingly slim tome, How to Change the World. (laughs) He offers a way of classifying the many things that we might want to change, and he suggests four main categories to consider. Firstly, problems that affect everybody but for which hardly anybody can imagine a remedy that they could personally enact. And these are the very big things, living in a time of war, under a dictatorship, or in an otherwise lawless or corrupt or violent environment. Secondly, problems that appear to only affect some people, some sector of society. You'll often find that rights are excluded from certain racial or religious groups, women, children... Lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender people, people who are disabled, increasingly people who are poor, and you know that list goes on and on. The third category of problem he highlights problems that pose a threat to everybody, but which only a small minority have taken on the seriousness of. Uh, Climate change, shortage of resources, uh, erosions of civil civil liberties and that sort of thing. And his fourth category is not problems, but opportunities. Um, You might have ideas to improve the world, improve the infrastructure, have a great new invention, create beautiful art, music or literature, um, work to improve your local community relations, that sort of thing. So more of a creative opportunity. Having identified these four spheres where change is needed, he makes the point that if, for example, you've got the passion to bring more beauty into the world by creating something, creating art or music, or to help build community in your local area by having a street party or a coffee morning. You don't have to wait until there's an end to world poverty before you go and do that. Or you don't have to feel guilty that you're not taking on the weightiest of problems first. Any contribution we make is worth making, as long as we're looking beyond our own self-interest and acting for the greater good. And as I look round the room, I I am reminded of all the contributions, large and small, that we're already making. I want to acknowledge that, and I don't want you to go home feeling harangued. Much. So what might stop each of us from taking some sort of action to engage with the world's many problems and opportunities? Well, for starters, we might just remain unaware of many issues that deserve our attention, as they're simply not covered in the mainstream media or they might be reported with such bias that we remain misinformed. Or we might have the opposite problem. We feel that we know too much. We're simply overwhelmed with the world's troubles and we want to go and hide under the duvet to get away from the horror of it all. We might want to engage but find that the pressures of modern life mean that we're already at full stretch just putting food on the table. If we do become an activist for our chosen cause, we may meet resistance which ranges from mildly unpleasant to truly frightening. At the very least you might be viewed as a weirdo or a troublemaker. You might be persecuted by strangers on the internet in a social media storm or in the worst case you may be getting into trouble with the authorities. Even if we don't face active hostility, there may be peer pressure to shut up and stop rocking the boat so that everyone around us can have a quiet life. If you want to change the world, there are a lot of obstacles to overcome. And on that note, I'm going to introduce you to another ambitious little publication, The Better World Handbook. I think this is a few editions down the line now from my copy. And in fact, there's an excerpt from this on the little blue slip in your order of service. The authors talk about the cycle of cynicism which, in this modern world, we're understandably prone to get stuck in. We may hear about problems and want to help, but we're unsure how we can make a difference, so we don't take any action, and this increasingly leaves us feeling powerless and resigned. We start to shut down and look away. But the authors of this book also talk about an alternative, a cycle of hope, which we can use for a model of positive action instead. Start by taking some personal responsibility, they say, and develop a personal vision of a better world based on your own values. Seek information from trustworthy sources about the world's problems and discover what the practical options for action might be. Then you'll be in a position to act in line with your values, even if you're only able to make a relatively small contribution to the cause. But here's the final vital point that they make. You must recognise you can't do everything. Beware of burnout... And in fact, I know, I'm sure there are people in this room that know that syndrome well. There's there's another short excerpt from How to Change the World on that very point that I find simultaneously reassuring and challenging, and I want to share it with you. Flintoff says, "'If we're to do anything, we need first to accept that we can't fix everything. "'When we accept that, we allow ourselves to stop feeling daunted "'by the scale of what we hope to achieve. "'This kind of anxiety is understandable but unnecessary,' "'Nobody made a greater mistake than he who did nothing "'because he could only do a little,' said Edmund Burke. "'And if we make the mistake that Burke describes, "'we're likely to postpone action, "'deluding ourselves that we'll do our great works "'at a later date when circumstances are more favourable. "'When we wish for the landscape to change in this way, "'we're using static thinking, "'imagining our goals as framed paintings "'beautifully arranged on our wall. "'But the trouble is nobody's doing any painting.' It helps to use process thinking instead. By all means, keep an eye on the long term. But having identified your long term target, focus on the present. Ask yourself this, what can I do in the next 24 hours? Because if you don't do anything in 24 hours, what makes you think you ever will? So there's a challenge from John Paul Flintoff. And inspired by this, I'm going to invite you to join in a little reflection right now on your own power to change the world. On the other side of that little blue sheet, there's a list of four points for you to ponder, and I'm going to take you through them. Um, You might like to jot down your thoughts on that sheet. What I'd really like you to do is jot down your four responses on the four post-its you were given as you came in and put them up on the wall when we go for coffee, so that you can inspire each other and share ideas. So let's start by acknowledging and affirming something you've already done to make the world a better place. As we heard already, you're changing the world all the time by virtue of your choices moment to moment and it's encouraging to credit yourself for the good things that you are already doing. Maybe you've changed the world for the better through your day job, through your voluntary work, by campaigning or raising awareness for a particular issue, or simply by having a friendly attitude to others and keeping up community spirit. If you're struggling to think of anything, I'll suggest that even the fact that you've come here this morning instead of staying in bed has helped make the world a better place. You've showed commitment to building this community. And in that spirit, I'd say it's positively your duty to stay behind the tea and biscuits afterwards and carry up good work. So let's move on to name the issues and causes that are closest to your heart. There are so many things in the world that we might want to change. Note down a few that you feel particularly moved by or passionate about. Don't worry about picking the most worthy causes or worry about what others think of your priorities. Remember you can't do everything and we need to narrow it down a bit. You're more likely to get involved and take action for something that particularly stirs your heart. In the piece that Janine read for us earlier, we heard about the discipline of thoughtful wishing that can lead to change. So that's what we're going to do now. I invite you to make one wish. Write down just one concrete long-term goal relating to one of those causes. A specific change in the world that you would like to see. Feel free to think big and be ambitious or you might prefer to keep it small and something you can visualise happening in your local community. And taking our cue from Flint off, here's, here's the last one and the most challenging one. What can you do towards that goal in the next 24 hours? if you can commit to taking even the tiniest action, perhaps looking up some more information about your calls on the internet, talking to a friend about the issue to raise awareness, getting in touch with like-minded individuals to sound them out about a joint project if you've got a particular activity in mind. If you do any of those things you are already doing your bit to bring about a world of greater peace, justice and love. I realise we've rushed through that at great speed. I look forward to reading some of your responses over tea and biscuits and there's some signs on the wall in the hall where you can post your post-its. But to close for now, I offer one last echo of those words from Lisa Friedman. If you had but one wish, what would it be? Take your time thinking about it, for so much is at stake. A wish is a thought and a thought is an idea. An idea leads to commitment, and a commitment cries out for action. Amen. I send you out now to share yourself with the world. May its promise and complexity set your mind ablaze. May you hold fast to what your life has taught you, May you question everything. And when you've changed the world, and the world has changed you, may you return again to this place and share what you've learned with us. Amen.